everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Good morning, church. I'm so glad that you're giving this time to the Lord. Uh, We've had a few people in the house. We cannot wait until we can throw the doors open and sit side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and worship together. But until that time, we can't go to church, all of us, but we can be the church right where we are. And the Lord is with you, and may the Spirit of God bind you together with the whole church as you worship in this time. We're talking about the beautiful story. There's plenty of ugly stories out there, but we're in the beautiful story. And today we're looking at Isaiah 51. And I encourage you to open your Bibles, and as we open the Scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, please bless the reading of your Word. Almighty God, you bring your church together by the power of your Holy Spirit, one body, to hear one voice, one word, to be shaped into one likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you do that now, through Jesus, our Savior and Lord, in whose name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man. And I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. Hear me, you who know what is right, you people who have taken instruction to heart. Do not fear the reproach of mere mortals or be terrified by their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment. The worm will devour them like wool. But my righteousness will last forever. My salvation through all generations. We thank God for his word. Beautiful hope. I'm reading a book right now about Winston Churchill. Uh, One of the ways, you know, one of the good ways, I think, to deal with the kind of stress that we're in in a time like 2020 is to kind of get your head out of your time and into some other time and place in history just to gain perspective. So, you know, 2020 Colorado Springs, pretty bad. 1940 London. In 1940, Adolf Hitler's strategy was to take over the world by, by pushing a violent wave of force all across Europe, a blitzkrieg so forceful that his goal was that England would surrender without even putting up a fight. And and his his strategy was working until uh, who Hitler calls Herr Churchill got elected prime minister. 
And in May of 1940, he came to be prime minister. And then he rescued the British expeditionary force from France as it fell to the Nazis. That's Dunkirk, the Dunkirk moment. He began an immediate ramp-up of the Royal Air Force. He called a special meeting of the Parliament where he declared, We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. The Queen asked for training in how to fire a pistol and said famously, I shan't be going down like the others. The Nazi advance crashed against the firm resolve of British resistance. And I don't share all that to glorify warfare or anything like that uh, or just to revel in my nearly perfect impersonation of Winston Churchill. But the reason I share that is just this, this idea that um, what Churchill did was he gave the people hope. He gave them hope. It was kind of outlandish hope at the time. But he gave them hope. And hope turned the tides of the war. I mean, hope, hope is a, a powerful thing. Hope can change things. Hope has a, a strength to it. Hope is a beautiful thing. In this year of COVID-19 and, and nothing going right and all of the, all of the various challenges of 2020 and, and so many things that aren't as we want them to be, listen, don't lose hope. Hope is a... Hope is, a, is, a, is a, a positive, optimistic expectation for the future. It's a, it's a, sometimes they talk about it's a, a cherishing, a cherished anticipation of, of a desired result. It's, it's what we, we want it to happen so bad. We love the fact that it's going to happen. You know, hope is a beautiful thing. Hopelessness, hopelessness, it gives up. It, it rolls over. Hopelessness. It drains energy. Brian Stevenson, the author of Just Mercy and founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, said, hopelessness is the enemy of justice. Injustice prevails where hopelessness persists. And so he says, hope is our requirement. It's our superpower. You can't lose hope. We're going to make it through this hardship. We're going to make it through this trial. And you can already see it. I mean, you can already imagine it. You can see a Colorado Springs after COVID. You, and, and you can see a First Pres Colorado Springs right there in it. A thriving, vital community of faith, gathering in strength, full of, 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 of vitality and, and diversity and, and relevance and faithfulness and, and outreach for the name of Jesus like we've never seen before. It's coming. It's on the way. Don't lose your hope. You see, I mean, we are those who do not give up on hope. Friends, we are a resurrection people. 
If Christ rose from the dead, we have no basis to give up on hope. Don't lose hope. Hope is, is uh, it's more than just optimism. Desmond Tutu said, uh, I'm not optimistic. No, I'm quite different. I'm hopeful. I'm a prisoner of hope, he said. Why? Because of the resurrection. It's because if Jesus died and rose again, I'm captured by a cherished anticipation of a beautiful future. So today let's talk about beautiful hope. In every great story, in every great tale, and, and, and we're telling the greatest story, the beautiful story, the story of everything, but in every great story, at some point the hero meets with some resistance, some challenge, something they've got to overcome. And in that moment, we're in suspense. and We think, what's going to happen? Are they going to push on? Are they going to carry on? Or are they going to give up? And what's needed in that moment, what needs to enter the story right there is hope. A beautiful story. A beautiful God made a beautiful world, put beautiful people in it, and all of that beauty was threatened. It was cast into into chaos by the ravages of sin. But God, God, last week we saw, made a beautiful promise, a covenant with Abraham. He said, no, it's going to be fixed. It's going to be restored. Everything is going to come back together. A beautiful promise. And now we watch and we wait and we start to wonder. You know, as... As we go through hard things and we experience disease and plagues and war and, and, and all kinds of horrors and we have such a hard time getting along with each other and we just start to wonder, we start to, what happened to that beautiful promise? God sends hope, beautiful hope. I'm using Isaiah as a stand-in for all the prophets. God sent hope through the prophets. You read these prophets over and over again. They offer these beautiful visions of powerful visions of this preferred future that you just cherish anticipating. Pictures that capture our hearts. Uh, pictures of a, a good future, you know. Like it's out there. It's on the way. And so we don't have to Give up. We don't have to roll over to the forces of darkness and destruction. We don't have to start polishing up our German and learning how to cross-stitch swastikas on pillows, okay? Because God's got something else for us. There's a future coming with hope. A vision we can cherish, anticipating. A future that we can hold out for. That we can believe in. They will give us just enough strength to to drive on, to carry on, to take one more step, to just plod forward one more day, one more effort, one more time, because we know that this future is coming and we can lean into it and never, never, never give up. It gives us hope. In Christian terms, this is what I want you to think about. Hope 
Expect what faith believes. Hope expects what faith believes. Verse 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. That's like, look, look back. Sometimes the best encouragement we can find is looking back in the rearview mirror, looking back to what's behind us. And what do we find back there? Something to give us a little bit of hope. God was, God was there. And God was faithful back then. And we found strength back then. And we made it through back then. And that gives us a little hope today. Look to the rock from which you were cut. Verse 2, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man. And I blessed him and made him many. Look, look to Abraham and Sarah. They went through many challenges. They, they walked through many hardships and And they made a lot of mistakes. And they did a lot of bold and brave things. And they carried on. And God was faithful to them and carried them through and gave them strength. You see, you you look there. The the past makes a difference in the present. Gives us hope. So the past makes a difference in the present. But then that pushes us into the future. Look at verse verse 3. The Lord will surely... Comfort Zion. Will. And will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be. They will be. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the sound of singing. That's the future. The Lord will surely You know, investment firms like to say, you know that saying, they always say past performance. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results, right? But with God, it's a little different. God is faithful. God is consistent. God is everlasting. God is unwavering. Past performance is exactly what you need to guarantee future hope. God's going to be Faithful, the Lord will, surely. And then comes an important point, the most important point, really, of the passage. Isaiah reveals that God is intimately, personally, passionately involved. In fact, the next four verses, we're going verse by verse. The next four verses, three verses, excuse me, the next three verses, you, you catch the word my nine times. Nine times. Listen to this from verse four. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way. And my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants die like flies. But, but what? My salvation 
will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. God's involved. My people, my nation, my righteousness, my salvation, my justice, my, my, my arm. My, my, my. But God is involved. And when God is involved, we have a reason to hope. Now, in the great story, there's also villains. There's always, there's always opponents. There, there are discouragers. Look at verse 7 now. Hear me, you who know what is right. You people who have taken my instruction to heart. Do not fear the reproach of mere mortals or be terrified by their insults. By their insults. For the moth will eat them like a garment. The worm will devour them like wool. Don't, don't, cast all your, don't put all your hard stuff that's never going to last, Okay? God says, my, my righteousness will last forever. My salvation through all generations. Listen, don't let, the, don't let the insults push you off your hope. Don't let the comments discourage you. you know, don't let anybody throw shade on the hope that you've got. You know the reason for the hope that is within you. You know the, the, the ground of confidence that you have to lift your head and smile and hope in the future that is to come. You know why you believe it. Why? Because Christ is risen from the dead. And if Christ has died and has risen from the dead, then we have a reason and a grounding for our future Hope. You know the basis of your cherished anticipation of the future. God's promises are assured. They are sealed. Christ has died and he has risen from the grave. And you have received the Holy Spirit of God within you as a seal and guarantee. You, that future is not some dream. You can taste it. Don't let anybody discourage your hope. Throw a shade. On, on the light of hope that is within you. It's the very light of, of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. So now, hope expects what faith believes. What do we mean by that? There's a, there's a ground... For hope, okay. It isn't just it isn't just optimism. Like it isn't just, for me. You know, glass is always half full. You know, it's not whistling through the graveyard. You know, I'm just I always see the silver lining on the cloud. That's not what we're talking about here. Like Desmond Tutu said, I'm not an optimist. I'm a I'm a prisoner. I'm captured by a hope. I belong to a sure and certain vision of the future good that God has coming. And so hope expects what faith believes. Look at verse 1 again. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. What's the, what's the rock? What's the rock? The rock is, is faith. It's faith. Look to Abraham. Remember, Abraham believed God. Genesis 15, 6. Believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Faith. Faith. Faith 
is the rock in this instance. It's like when in Matthew 16, when, when, um, when Peter made his profession of faith before the Lord. He said, you are the Lord, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied this, he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We we will never surrender, right? That's Jesus' vision of the church. But the rock... The rock isn't Peter, the man. I mean, Peter, he's still, I mean, he's still kind of a shaky guy to build a church on, okay? I mean, any, any given person, any man or woman, a little shaky to build an entire church on. The rock isn't Peter, the man. The rock is the confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Lord. It's the faith that Peter has. That's the rock. That's the firm foundation and the, and the power that's given to him by the Holy Spirit to believe it. And to profess it, that's the rock. That's the rock. This, this faith, this faith, you believe it. But with time, it kind of, you wonder, you know, right? Do I believe that? Hope expects what faith believes. You know, am I going to hang on to that? When the waves come, when the storms blow in, when I've experienced things that, that make me doubt, that just time, like, do I still believe that? Hope comes in, beautiful hope. And hope expects what faith believes. Our friend John Calvin said it best. Hope, he said, is nothing more than the expectation of those things which faith previously believes to have been truly promised by God. Hope expects what what faith believes. Thus, faith believes that God is true. Hope expects that in due season He will manifest His truth. Faith believes that He is our Father. Hope expects that He will always act the part of the Father towards us. Faith believes that eternal life has been given to us. Hope expects that it will one day be revealed. Faith is the foundation on which hope rests. Hope nourishes and sustains faith, you see? For as no man can expect anything from God without previously believing his promises, so on the other hand, the weakness of our faith. I mean, the weakness of our faith, right? I believe it, but I'm starting, I've been through some stuff now. I've seen some other things. And our faith, it can waver. The weakness of our faith which might grow weary and fall away, must be supported and cherished by patient hope and expectation. Hope hope expects what faith believes. And when you feel like you can't carry on, when you feel like your hope is drained, when your optimism of a glorious future is fading away from you and you wonder if you can still believe the promises of faith, God sends hope. Beautiful hope. Like a, like a ray of sunshine through, through a storm cloud. Like, um, 
like a bird that comes and, you know, sits by you sometimes. And it's like, what are you doing, you know? It's almost like God is just trying to remind you you're not alone. <laughs> Beautiful hope. For me, it's, uh, I, I've got time after time that I remember being in far-flung places around the world and, uh, and looking up in the sky and seeing Orion, you know, the constellation Orion? And I'm like, oh, you're here. <laughs> you're here? And somehow it's just how God uses that. I don't know what God uses in your life, but it, somehow he just uses that to say, hmm, I'm with you. You're not alone. And he sends a little hope, a little beautiful hope, Carry on. Take the next step. Drive forward. Remember your faith. Believe. Hope is a beautiful thing. And we hope in a Lord who is personally involved. My people, my nation. My salvation, my righteousness, my justice is a light. And my arm, my own arm, I send my my arm to achieve salvation. That's not the only place Isaiah talks about the arm of the Lord. In Isaiah 59, he says, He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. His own righteousness Sustained him. God sends his own arm to achieve salvation. And in Isaiah 53, this picture, Isaiah 53, we call it the Song of the Suffering Servants, is a portrait of Jesus in Isaiah. And it opens up with this Isaiah 53 1 Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Do you see the arm? The arm is Jesus. It all resolves to Jesus. Extending from God to us. The arm is Jesus reaching out, entering into all that was made and corrupted and sickened. And and, and God extends the arm. He extends Jesus right into the world, right into all of its brokenness and pain. He extends the arm right into your life. The arm of God is Jesus coming toward you to grab a hold. And by the strength of His own arm, the Lord establishes in Jesus Christ a firm foundation, beautiful hope. Lord, help us to believe in the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, that you've established by your coming, your life, your death, your resurrection. Help us to believe with firm resolve, to expect what we believe. To know that that you send hope to carry us forward. Reach into our lives by your arm, Lord. Help us to feel your grip holding us steady. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.